one announcement I want to share with you that uh, that I think is a pretty big deal, and I, I really encourage you to participate in it. Um, any, anyone here a fan of Christmas? Is there a few of us? I won't ask you if you're not. I know there's probably some people who aren't, and we love you, um, and we're praying for you. But I, I'm a huge fan of Christmas, and, and growing up, I grew up in a traditional church. And anyone grow up in some kind of traditional church, I'm just curious, where they did Advent candles? Are you familiar with that? I grew up in a traditional church, so they'd have like this little altar up front, and they'd have these four, uh, five candles, four candles with one in the center. And every week leading up to Christmas, they would light a candle. And as a young kid, this was like so exciting because it just every candle that would get lit every week would mean we were one day closer, one week closer to celebrating uh, Christmas, which, which as a kid, honestly, just been one day closer to opening presents. But it's a long tradition in the church, and by church I mean the, the big C, the church, uh, where we prepare our hearts for the advent, the coming of Christ. This moment in history where God stepped in and moved into the neighborhood, where God took on flesh and lived amongst us. And so this idea, is, as John even says in the first chapter of John, talking about Jesus coming into the world, that light entered the world and the darkness could not overcome it. So we light a candle, uh, uh, and we've been lighting candles as a church, big C, uh, since before you know, electricity. We've been lighting candles to welcome the light into the world. So we want to help you guys do that, um, uh, especially because this uh, is a unique season in, in our life as a church and in our life as a people. Um, we've created a little uh, Advent kit. These are custom-built Advent kits to help you celebrate Advent. And here's what you, you're going to have to sign up to get one, but they're completely free. So I really want to encourage you to sign up and get one because we're, we're putting some work into this. One is you get Advent candles and an Advent holder. And this is like, it's going to be nice. And so, uh, and it's free. But you get one of those. Uh, and if you already have Advent candles, you know, just, you can add to your collection. But we, we're trying to do, put something together nice enough that it ends up in your Christmas box at the end of the season. You know, your, your Christmas supplies, like, this is something we think you're going to want to keep. So Advent candles and Advent holders, uh, you're going to get a daily Advent uh, devotions um, that people in our community have already signed up to read, uh, to write. And uh, if you're interested in writing one, let me know and we can add you to the list. But daily Advent readings and then five Advent readings readings that go specifically along with lighting the candles. So just like really simple family or small group or individual, uh, kind of like a little service that you can do in your home. It even includes some lyrics to a carol if you're, if you're bold enough to sing, if you're a singing family. I'm pretty sure we're going to try to do that. We'll see how it goes. Alyssa so shook her head, but uh, oh, about Finn. Uh, we're going to sing. Um, and uh, so just this really simple service. And then also children's activities, if that if that applies to you, we'll put some of those. So I encourage you, go to centralcity.co slash advent. Here's the thing. We're putting these together, um, So uh, and we're getting them kind of custom built. So we need your order by October 27th. That's why we're announcing it now. Um, advent starts at the end of November, but we've got time. We need time to be able to put everything together. And so if you want one of these, which I want you to want one of these, Go to centralcity.co slash advent and sign up for one before October 27th. We'll announce it next week and include it in the email as well uh, this week. Those are announcements. I'm going to invite you uh, to uh, join me in prayer. We're going to continue our series on Genesis. We're looking at the character of Jacob. And uh, as we continue to kind of look at these couple stories in Genesis and from the lens of dysfunctional families, which uh, the, the patriarchal families of Genesis certainly are dysfunctional families. So as we prepare to open the scriptures, uh, I invite you to pray with me. 
God, we trust that wherever we are, you are there already. That your spirit is here amongst us and that you're able to come and speak to us. Lord, uh, I ask that whatever I say, regardless of what I say or what I get right or what I get wrong, that your spirit would take my words and anything else, take the, the breeze and the trees and the setting and our circumstances and use it for your glory. That you would cut through the hardness of our hearts, um, the distractions of our life and our week, our exhaustion, and you would remind us who you are and who we are in you. And so, Lord, now we come and pray just as you taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. You, you need to understand something. My family, um, my family has some strong political views. Uh, are you familiar with those families, uh, maybe you're one of them, where people are just, you know, you're, you're, their family's just like, well, we're a Republican family, or we're a Democrat family. That's just who we are. Our family, my family, is one of those families. Not that anyone would ever bluntly say that, um, which makes it even more true because it's kind of just accepted and assumed. And so there's a particular view that's assumed in my family. And the opposing view is silenced. And if it's not silenced, then it's villainized. You know, in other words, those with the opposing view, they're what's wrong with our nation. They're the problem. Well, in my family... I have the opposing view, which means, I guess, based on that logic, I'm what's wrong with our nation. Now, no one would say that quite as bluntly as that, but it's hard for me not to take it to its logical conclusion. So the other day, I decided I would challenge this because 2020 couldn't get any more worse. Um, our family has a Facebook group, also a terrible idea to to challenge there. But in this Facebook group, one political view is offered and presented, the other is not. So I decided moving forward, I would present my opposing view to my family on Facebook. I'm not saying this is a good idea, I'm just saying this is what happened. Every time a view was presented, I would present the opposite obnoxiously. Like if my family said, ice cream is what's wrong with America, too many people eat ice cream. Here's an article from a non-reputable source on why ice cream is terrible. I would immediately reply, with no articles, by the way, supporting my opinion, that ice cream is the best thing that's ever happened to America. And I even like frozen yogurt and gelato, too. Every time. Now, my family doesn't argue about ice cream. My family loves ice cream as much as I love ice cream. I don't want you to think they're monsters. But... Instead of ice cream, just insert, you know, any political tagline, any candidate you can imagine. You can see where this is going. So I'm over here defending ice cream, moving, you know, moving forward. I'm going to, all that is good in the world, I'm just going to say it, um, and uh, I'm going to do it. So here's, in other words, I, I want to know, at the heart of this, I'm, I'm really asking a question. I want to know, if my family really knew me, would they still accept me? That's ultimately what was going on here. In other words, if they really knew me, would I be welcome at Thanksgiving or Christmas? 
So I started this little experiment, and, and I wasn't sure. I was offering my dissenting opinion, and, and that lasts for about a day before it completely blows up. And it gets really out of control. But then something really cool happens. My, my mom and my dad step up. Now, you have to understand that just a few days earlier, because I did talk to my parents before I did this, my mom was just so disappointed in my love for ice cream. You know, like, just I couldn't believe I have a son that loves ice cream the way that you love it. And you can insert whatever, t you know, issue that, you're, that means something to you. But, you know, she's just, like, disappointed and heartbroken and even said some mean things. And, uh, it, but now my siblings are attacked. I'm one of seven kids, and we have lots of spouses and siblings and it's a big group now they're kind of attacking me and my mom steps up when when my siblings start to attack me she jumps in she goes full-on mom my dad too goes full-on dad and, and and eventually one of them says we're all uh we love all of our children no matter their views let's keep this group to family stuff no politics and it was beautiful and honestly it was kind of my motivation and honestly, I might still go home for Thanksgiving. Now, this might not be your experience, but um, my family means a lot to me. Uh, uh, their approval means a lot to me. I don't always want their approval to mean a lot to me, especially when we disagree or I think that they're what's wrong with America. But their approval means a lot to me. And I'm a grown man. I don't owe my parents tech. I mean, I don't, I don't, they're not covering any of my bills like I'm on my own I'm very independent I'm super independent but my mom and my dad's opinion of me still matters more than I even realized today we're going to look at the story of Jacob and Jacob is striving and fighting to find his place in a very important family and Jacob's going to do whatever it takes to secure that spot he wants his parents approval and in, in, in a specific way he wants his dad's blessing I want to look at that. Jacob's story starts in the wound, as I guess technically all of our stories do. Uh, he's a twin, though. His older brother comes out first, but he's right behind, and he's pulling on his, on his heel. And this really kind of summarizes Jacob's entire story. This is where it starts. His older brother, older by a second, really, so not really the older brother. They're twins, but the is the firstborn still technically, and Jacob is right there trying to pull him back so that he can be the firstborn. Of course, he isn't able to. And the rest of Jacob's stories are kind of built around this story of being, of being born. First, he's the younger, but by only a second, but he's the younger, and all the same, that still matters because their dad, Isaac, is going, can only give God's blessing to one of them. At least that's how the story goes. Blessing means more than just a blessing. It means uh, everything from God's promise to Abraham to large chunks of their inheritance. And all of this is going to go to his slightly older brother, Esau. But just like in this birth story, Jacob is going to constantly try to pull Esau's heel, trying to hold him back so Jacob can get ahead so that he can be treated as the firstborn. He's very sneaky. He's very clever. And so this is how he does it. First, he tricks his brother into surrendering his birthright. He finds his brother's weak spot, and he exploits it. You can read that story in Genesis. Then he goes on and tricks his dad, because, partly because his mom encourages him to. So it's really, just a really healthy family dynamic here. Tricks his dad into giving his birthright uh, and then by pretending to be his brother. So he lies, he steals, he cheats, all to get his dad's blessing. I mean, it really kind of does sound like a dozen, one of a dozen shows that you can watch on TV. And the, we got to ask ourselves, why do we see these stories where people go, just get kind of terrible, but it's all because of this unhealthy desire for your parents' approval? Well, I think it's because there's something about us, even when we're grown, that we want our family's blessing. We want to know that we've done all right. 
We want to know that we're all right, and we want to be accepted. We want to know that we're accepted and that we have some kind of purpose in this life. And that is magnified by the fact that Jacob is a part of a very important family that God's going to change the world with. So all of this puts us uh, at Jacob at odds with his brother so much so that Jacob has to run because Esau is going to try to kill him. Really great family here. Um, but it's just like their great, 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 great grandparent uh, and uncle, Cain and Abel. The same story just kind of repeating itself. This brings us to the story we're going to look at today. Jacob has run away out of fear of his brother. And while he's running, something happens. Genesis 28, uh, starting with verse 10, we're going to look at that. If you have your Bible or your smartphone, you can go there. Uh, We're going to spend some time going verse by verse like we sometimes do. Uh, So we're going to start with Genesis chapter 28, starting with verse 10, 28, 10. And here is what it says. Jacob is on the run from his brother, um, and his parents sent him away so the brothers wouldn't kill themselves. Jacob left Beersheba and set out for Haran. He left one place to head somewhere else. When he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and lay to sleep. So he's traveling and he stops. The words here, a certain place, um, could easily be translated in an open space. In other words, he's in the middle of nowhere. He's stopping only because it's time to sleep. So he's not where his family was. He's left his family behind, but he's also not where he's headed. You know, he's going somewhere. So he's somewhere in the middle. He's in nowhere particular. He's on the way, which I think is where we live most of our lives, isn't it? Nowhere in particular. We've left our family home, but we really haven't arrived. We're just on the way. And, and while most of the time we think like most of our life happened back there, or it's going to happen up there, most of life actually happens right here, on the way, before things are settled, before you've fully moved on. Most of life happens along the way. So same for Jacob. Next verse, here's what happens. He had a dream. He's sleeping. He had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth with its top reaching to heaven, and the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. This is the somewhat famous story of Jacob's Ladder. Maybe you've heard that phrase before, or you sing uh, one of a, a number of songs where angels are climbing up Jacob's Ladder. The general idea, though, is that this is how religion worked. This is the story of the Tower of Babel. You, you, you got to heaven by building something that would reach to heaven. And so these stairway to heaven, you know, it, and so the assumption at this point is that Jacob, in order to meet God, would have to go up the steps. Or he, he talks about these angels, and in the context, they're really kind of this idea of a, a messenger priest. And this is how God would communicate to people, God, you know, or the gods, not even just ours, but the, the belief that there were these messengers that would be with God and then come down and share that message with other people. So we're given this backdrop. This assumption that this is how you meet God. You go to a certain place, and you climb a certain set of steps, and you get high enough into the heavens, um, and in the heavens you're going to meet God, and God's going to speak to you. That's how it's set up. But that's not actually what happens. Verse 13 says this. I'm going to read the NRSV here because they translate it slightly differently, and I think given the context, it's helpful. The Lord stood beside him and said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, the God of Isaac. The NIV says something like the, the Lord stood atop. Um, the NRSV says the Lord stood beside him. And given the context, I'm going to go with the Lord stood beside him. Um, because what's happening here is you don't get the sense that God is even at the top of the steps. God's not up there. And, and the messengers don't even have to come down. 
God, God doesn't send a messenger. God doesn't make Jacob climb the stairway to heaven. God shows up right next to him. God comes to Jacob. God meets Jacob, not because Jacob was somewhere holy and said he was in the middle of nowhere. Not because Jacob's father was there, although he does claim to be the God of his father, but he's out on his own. God showed up and met Jacob because that's the kind of God he is. And he speaks directly to Jacob, and this is what he says. Next verse. He says, I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. All the peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you and watch over you wherever you go, and I will bring you back to this land, and I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. God gives Jacob the blessing he was longing for. He would carry on the legacy of his grandfather, Abraham, with, and all that that entailed, the promise of land and descendants and expansion, the ability then to also bless others through God's promises. He got the blessing. And after all of his lying and stealing and cheating, he still ends up with the blessing. It's kind of an interesting story. I want to I offer my perspective. I could be wrong, but I'm going to offer it to you anyways, and I have the mic. I would argue he ends up with the blessing even after lying, stealing, and cheating because he was always meant to have the blessing. I, I don't think he needed to grab after his brothers or cheat his brothers or lie to his father to get the blessing. I mean, his, his brother was technically older, but by a second. I, I don't think that really counts. And, and we know from the story of Cain and Abel that God doesn't always choose somebody just because they were born first. God's more complicated than that. God's blessing falls on, on people in, in different ways. And, and do you think that God couldn't bless both of them? We already learned from the story of Abraham, um, his two sons, Isaac and Ishmael, they both received a blessing. They weren't the same blessing. Uh, one might be a little bit more significant, a lot more significant than the other, but they both received a blessing from God and were blessed by God and sent out to be and do something. So God's blessings aren't limited to just one child. So here's what I think. I think Jacob spent his whole life trying to steal the thing that God would gladly give. And it wasn't something that he could steal from anyone else anyways. So I want you to hear this when, when I say this. He couldn't get God's blessing from his family. He could only get God's blessing from God. He couldn't even get it from, from some messenger that, or divine angel that's climbing up and down the stairs. They're, they don't even say anything in this story. He didn't have to climb to heaven to get it. He didn't have to lie, steal, and cheat to get it. Uh, so I'm going to repeat this because even I'm having a hard time hearing this. He couldn't get God's blessings from his family. He could only get God's blessing from God. How much of our life has been trying to steal, cheat, work for, seek after the attention and acceptance and blessing of others when in reality it's God alone who can give it? How many of us are still looking for it in other people? The, the very thing that God alone can give us. I want to know if I'm accepted uh, with my distorted, broken views and mistakes and shortcomings. And I, I need to know, do I still belong here? Is there a place for me in my family, in my community, in my church? And it's a worthwhile question, but ultimately, people don't get to decide that. God does. God gets to decide whether I belong or not. God alone will be my judge. God basically says two things to Jacob. 
The first thing has to do with God's continued promise to Abraham. It's about his specific covenant, the, the land and the descendants and the expansion. And while that's good, it's sometimes less relatable. The second thing that God says has to do with the fact that Jacob's on a journey, and that's something that we can definitely relate to. We all kind of find ourselves on journeys at different times. So this is what God says the second kind of half of his blessing, specific to the fact that Jacob was on a journey. He says this to Jacob. Now Jacob has just run from his family. His brother's trying to kill him. His mom's kind of manipulative. His dad doesn't know what's going on, so much so that he can trick his dad into thinking he's his brother. And now he's running for his life to go find a wife somewhere else, not knowing what's going to happen. And here's what God says to him. I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go. And I will bring you back to this land. And I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. I encourage you, don't make your family, your friend group, your political party, your, wherever you find your sense of belonging, don't make them tell you what God alone can say. God will never leave you. God will bring you back. God will be with you wherever you go. There's not a, there's not a, a, a specific in that, in that command, in that promise where it's like, well, I'll be with you within these boundaries. No, wherever you go, whatever road you find yourself on, even especially when you're in the middle of nowhere in those open spaces. So the story continues, verse 16. This is this verse, uh, the next couple of verses is what I love about this story. It's changed my entire view of this story. Uh, it's one of my favorite verses, um, and, and I think it captures my, my experience, and I hope that it will capture yours. When Jacob awoke from his sleep, so he had this vision, uh, he thought, surely the Lord is in this place, and I was not aware of it story of my life. Surely the Lord was in this place, and I just, I was unaware. I didn't know. So he was afraid, he says, which is a, a very appropriate response to God showing up somewhere. He was afraid. Uh, that's how awesome God is. And he said, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Surely God was in this place, and I was unaware of it. Here's my prayer for you. When you feel like you're out in the middle of nowhere, or you're cut off from your friends or your family, you feel like you've left something behind, but you haven't arrived where you're headed, and you're on this journey, and it's, you feel alone or lost or melancholy or whatever. You've left something, but you haven't arrived. When you're in that open space, my prayer for you is that you don't live your life unaware. Jacob says, God was here. I was just unaware. My prayer for you is that you don't live your life unaware. You know, my job as a pastor is maybe could be argued is in this long line of messenger priests, people who are called by God to speak God's love to people and bring the good news now in the New Testament uh, of Jesus to the world. But, but I'm here to tell you what I have to say is nothing compared to what God has already said to you. And I'll, we'll end this service with a blessing. I'll send you off with a blessing. But in God, you are already blessed. God is already here. So don't live your life unaware. God will meet you in that place wherever you find yourself. If you feel like everyone else has tossed you away. And maybe your story with your family doesn't end like the, one mine, the way mine did. And, and honestly, my story, my family hasn't ended yet. And who knows how it's going to end when it's all said and done. But regardless of where you find yourself or who you feel cut off from, God is there. Don't live your life unaware. God loves you. You belong to God. In Christ, you have purpose that God alone can give. Today, 
now. Not where you were and not where you're headed. Right now, wherever you find yourself, wherever you find yourself, regardless of whether you feel accepted or rejected, God is here. God is here with us now. Don't live unaware. God sees you. And I understand that when the things that we depend on, the people we depend on, whether that be a church or a family or a group of friends, a mentor, a teacher, when they cast us aside for whether they're in the wrong or we're in the wrong, it, it, it's painful and it's difficult. And even just the fear of being cast aside is painful and difficult. But even when you find yourself in that open space, you are not alone. God was there. We just might be unaware. Let's pray. God, we come before you and we give thanks for your presence. Lord, remind us um, in the midst of a life where there are many structures that claim for our allegiance and our attention, whether that be families or parties or friend groups or schools or (laughs) particular sports teams or whatever, Lord, clubs, all crying for our allegiance, Lord, help us to remember that Wherever we are, you're willing to show up and meet us there. And that as you promised in the New Testament that we are now sacred and set apart. Our body becomes a a holy place for your spirit. A constant reminder that no matter where we go, you are there. And through the power of your son, Jesus Christ, through his death and resurrection, You have made a way for even us to know you, for our spirit to cry out, Abba, Father. Remind us of that. In your name we pray. Amen.